Hey guys, this is Vin Queen. I'm back to you again. But um, today I'm going to read you a story. I love this book. It is called Real Life Monsters, Tales of the Unseen by Latricia Ford. It's available on Kindle. I'm going to read you a snippet because I really do want you to get this book. It is very intriguing. It is gruesome. It is scary. It it's sad, it's powerful, it is so many things wrapped in one. Again, this is Real Life Monsters Tells on the Unseen, available on Kindle. The first story is Monster in Plain Sight. I shall begin. Introduction There are many wonders of this world that we do not see. Things we cannot explain and they do not need to be. We all experience sight, sound, and touch so differently. We are all the same to a slight degree. I have two tales that will hide in your senses. The tales may be fiction, but they will come alive in your mind. Wondering if this could even happen in real time. Are monsters real? Hopefully you'll never know. Monsters lurk in the plainest spaces. It could be someone you know. Both tales will blow your mind. Sit back, relax, so you can enter my time. I will give you a sneak peek, but I will just let you read and unwind. Story 1. Monster in Plain Sight. John Reeves. John Reeves sat on his bed looking at old Polaroid pictures of deceased children. He had not had a decent kill in months and was getting impatient. John Rees was a 49-year-old Caucasian male. He was well-built with dark brown hair and green eyes. He was married to a beautiful woman named Nancy who had no idea the dark things her husband was into. John was a computer programmer at CPI a top tech firm in downtown St. Louis. John Reeves is a child rapist and murderer. He has killed over 12 black children to date. He despised blacks all his life. You would never know because his closest friend is a black man named Martin Brown. They have been working together at CPI for 15 years. When Martin's 10-year-old son, Colin, came up missing, then later dead, John led the search. He was his godfather after all. He secretly recorded their cries to play later when he went to bed. He always wore headphones to bed to listen to the screams of the children or parents. Tonight, while his wife was away, he had his, la his laptop charged up to look for prey. He was on every social media site pretending to be a 14-year-old black boy named Derek Smith. He had VPN software installed on his laptop. He paid for exclusive pictures from a black market website. He watched only black comedies and teen shows to pick up lingo. He always kept his sick photos out when he was stalking to prey. He got a thrill out of getting away with crimes. He learned that when you killed a black child, no one pays attention for long. He felt like he was killing future criminals anyway. John had a sick and twisted mind, as he said, searching for prey. 
He started to reminisce about his first kill. Oh, how time flies when you're having fun. He thought as he turned his lap, as he turned off his laptop and placed his Polaroids in his lockbox. He placed his items under the bed and laid down, smiling about his first kill almost six years ago. Michael Johnson, I wonder if you were in heaven or hell. He smiled as he laid down and relived that horrible event. Good times, I say. Particularly good times. John changed the screen track on his iPod to hear Michael Johnson and closed his eyes. Michael Johnson, 6 2014. Michael, come here, boy. I need you to run down to Miss Johnson's house and get two eggs. I got to bake this cake for your little sister. I do not have time to run to the store. Melinda said, calling out to here, calling out to her son as he rode his bike on the sidewalk. Come here. I already called and told her you were coming. It was a hot summer day in June. Michael spent his days riding his bike and playing with his little baby sister who was turning one. Michael was nine years old, dark complected with dimples. He had hazel eyes and was a little chubby but handsome. He had medium length dreadlocks that he kept tied in the back. He loved his mama dearly. They became especially close after his, di- his dad died two years prior. Michael only rode his bike on the street. He was never gone out of his mother's sight for more than 10 minutes. He knew his mother was a worry ward. Michael hopped off his bike and leaned in and leaned it on the fence. He ran to his mother who was sitting on the porch. She was standing on the porch. Melinda was 27, brown skin with short red hair. She was five foot four with a loud mouth. Michael could hear her calling from anywhere. I'm here, Mama, Michael said, smiling. Yeah, so I need you to go get two eggs for your sister's cake. Now, what are the rules since Miss Johnson stay a few blocks away? Ride straight there, no stopping. Do not talk to anybody, even if I know them. Pay attention to my surroundings and do not get hit by a car. Exactly. Now... Go on before she says she out or something. Love you, baby. Hurry back, my little king. Melinda waved, and he ran towards his bike. Love you too, mama. See you later, Michael said as he hopped on his bike. Watching unnoticed was a Caucasian male in a pickup truck across the street. Michael decided he would take a shortcut through the alleys. His mother did not like him taking alleys, but he did not want to be gone long. Michael turned off Elizabeth Avenue until Macklin Avenue and cut to an alley. He was trying to get to Wilson and Sublet as quickly as possible. He never noticed the white pickup truck telling his every move. He only made it so far when he felt a pain in his left shoulder. He crashed into a dumpster in the alley and fell off his bike. The last thing he heard before he blacked out was a door open. John Reeves. He had been watching a little chocolate boy for over a week. He barely saw the child's mother outside. John loved scouting in the hood because no one paid attention.
He had been sitting in his dirty pickup truck for ten days now, and no one said a word. Niggas never pay attention. That is why I love the dark meat, John said to himself laughing. He was trying to figure out when was the best time to grab the boy when he heard the mother hollering about some eggs. Perfect timing, sister. I was just going to crawl through his window tonight, but this is better. John started his pickup truck. He had a he had his tranquilizer gun loaded and on his lap. He ordered it off the dark web and was ready to use it. He followed a little boy on his bike into the alley. He held the gun out the window and shot Michael in the shoulder. The little boy became disoriented and crashed into a dumpster. John waited for a minute to make sure no one heard the crash. When he realized no one came out, he got out and grabbed the red blanket in the back of his pickup truck. John threw the bike in the dumpster and closed the lid. He wrapped Michael in the red blanket and threw him in the back of the truck. John had already found an abandoned house a few blocks away, where he set up his camera and other products. He needed to put on a show. John quickly got back in his truck and headed to his destination. Who knew it would be so easy? If this goes well, the possibilities are endless. John thought as he drove to the abandoned house on Delton Avenue. He sung all the way, wondering how long it would take for Michael's mother to find out. Melinda Johnson. Melinda was sitting at the kitchen table watching her favorite ratchet show. Eliana was taking a nap in her crib. She was so into her show that she would not answer the phone. Oh my goodness, who the hell keep calling me? And where's Michael? Melinda thought as she paused the program. Yes, it's Melinda. How may I help you? She answered with an attitude. Melinda, this is Miss Johnson. Oh, sorry, Miss Johnson. I did not look at the call ID. Is Michael getting on your nerves? Melinda said jokingly. No, actually, he hasn't arrived yet. I was just wondering if you still needed those eggs. Wait, what? It has been almost four hours. Why are you telling me just now? Melinda said, cutting the TV off and sitting up straight. Well, this is my fourth time calling you, Melinda. Melinda looked at her cell phone and noticed the missed calls. She got up and went to Eliana's room to wake her up. Sorry, Miss Johnson. I I was so caught up in something. I will go look for him. He probably decided to ride around for a bit before he get the eggs. I will call you when I find him. Please do. You know, folks ain't right nowadays. Yeah, bye. Melinda's heart dropped as she picked up Eliana. She ran down the stairs with her daughter in her arms and grabbed her keys off the counter. She did not even lock the door on the way out. She placed Eliana in her car seat in the back of her 2010 white charger. She flew out the driveway on the search for her son. The book I'm reading is Tales of the Unseen by Latricia Ford. It's available on Kindle. Um, reading this book, uh, which should be common sense, you have you do have to keep an eye on your children. But uh, we do let our kids ride, and we do need to let them know that you can't talk to strangers. You can't, you know. But we also need to watch the surroundings for our children. And it could be the simplest things that you can do to keep any harm from coming to them. Um, this book is deep. When I say deep, this book is deep, but it's, it's really good. 
and um, I wanted to just read you some snippets so that uh, you can get a clue. I'm going to continue to read right after a message from my sponsor. Okay, this has been Queen. I'm back. I'm continuing my reading of, of Tales on the Unseen by Trisha Ford, which is available on Kindle. Um, I will continue. Michael Johnson. Michael woke up dazed and confused. His head and left arm hurt a little. He was cold and heard a slight dripping sound. When his mind got a little less foggy, he realized he was lying on a dirty mattress. His hands and feet were tied up. He had some kind of tape across his mouth. He looked around and noticed he was in a basement. There was a camcorder set up right in front of him. He realized his clothes had been removed. He was about to panic when he noticed another presence. A man in a funny-looking black outfit was sitting behind the camcorder. When he realized Michael had noticed him, he walked over and ripped off the tape. Michael was about to scream, but the man covered his mouth. Now you know better. Not, now you better not scream, Michael. You do not want me angry, the man said in a funny costume. How, how do you know my name? Please let me go. My mama be, will be worried. I, I, I have to get eggs, Michael said, pleading. I, I want to go get the eggs, please. You won't need any eggs where you are going, son. I'm here to save you from a life of crime. Statistics show that black boys with single mothers go to be criminals. Also, I'm going to make you into an internet sensation. You're about to make so many folks happy. This is my debut, and yours, of course, the man said standing over Michael. Mr. Please, I, I do not want to be a sensation. I like being Michael. My mama gets worried. I promise I won't be a criminal. No, not Mr. It is John. I mean, Daddy. Call me Daddy, my pet. Not enough with this, not enough with the small talk. I have an audience to please. <clears throat> So men and women, boys and girls, send in your requests. Remember, we need to make it last. John said as he looked at the camcorder. Hold on, let me set the laptop closer so I don't miss a beat. John grabbed a stool and set up his laptop. He could see the requests coming on the live. Everyone on the live had paid a hefty fee on the dark website. So do you guys want to hear the screams or no? John said watching... The screen. Everyone typed in screams. Good. Just remember, this is my first time, so bear with me. Let me see. Okay. Uh, I see somebody wants some cutting. Oh. Oh, my. I see Anoplan Destruction. Wow. Now, who said beat him like a slave? Tar and feather. Darn. I might have to go to the store and pick up more items. Okay. I will do what I can, and then if he's still breathing, I will go get more items. Yes, Cray Stabber. I will stay broadcasting till he is finished. Let me get started. Uh, my wife thinks I'm on a business trip. John walked over to a small table with a lot of different knives and tools. He pulled the table next to the mattress under his black dominatrix mask. He grinned ear to ear. Michael was terrified. He always thought monsters were only in fairy tales. Now he realized they were real. He kept thinking if his mother was going to be upset about the eggs. He could see 
the evil things the monsters were saying and knew it would be painful, he recited a prayer his grandma taught him. He closed his eyes as the white monster cut his thigh. Ooh, this book is very detailed. If you're real super sensitive, I definitely would not recommend it. Tales of the Unseen by Latricia Ford on Kindle gets to the details. Um, it is wow, and I'm really surprised it has not went viral, or a publisher hasn't hunted her down to get this book in store. It's on Stephen King. Don Coots level. It is very detailed. Let me continue. Melinda Johnson. Melinda paced the floor of the South Patrol police station. She had been there for two hours. Michael had now been missing for 24 hours. She had reported him missing the day before, but they refused to do anything. They kept saying, wait 24 hours. Melinda was losing it. She had dropped Eliana at Miss Johnson's house before she arrived. The desk lieutenant had told her to be patient. Melinda was done being patient. She walked up to the desk and demanded help. Look, I understand that I'm not a white woman and Michael is not a white boy. But damn it, he is mine and I want him home. It's like you give a fuck. You told me to wait 24 hours and I did. Do some kind of alert or something, please. Melinda said, looking at desk lieutenant, looking at desk lieutenant right in his eyes. Ma'am, we're doing all we can. We put an APB out with a description of Marcus. We're going door to door to interview folks. It, 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 it takes time. It's Michael. Motherfucker, say his name right. Hey, look, if you keep causing problems, I will throw you in a holding cell. Fuck you in that cell. Find my son. If this was your kid... You would have found him already. That's it, lady. Lieutenant Dave said, standing up. Book this woman. Wait, Dave. Look, let me speak to her. Detective Jeff Stewart said, walking up. I, I can handle it from here. Can you please help me with my son? I am begging you. Please do not ignore. I feel like something is wrong. I can hear him calling my, I can hear him calling my name last night. Please. Melinda said with tears rolling down her cheeks. Here, uh, come this way. We can talk in my office. Detective Stewart led Melinda to his back office and closed the door. He handed her a box of tissues after she sat down. Listen, yelling and screaming won't help the situation. Usually children go off and play with friends. He could be playing in the park. You need not to panic. Not my boy. He knows how I am. He never goes far from the house. If I send him somewhere, he always comes back quickly. He hates me to worry. Melinda said, sniffing. Okay, so let us replay the day. Where was he supposed to go? I needed eggs for Eliana's cake. I did not feel like going to the store. So I called Miss Johnson to see if I could borrow some eggs. Who is Miss Johnson to you? She is best friends with my deceased husband's mother. Anyway, I sent Michael over to her house at noon. He knows the rules. He would have written straight there and back. When did you realize Michael was late coming home? I was watching TV and Miss Johnson called me. What time did she call? 
She called a few times. I just did not pick up until the fourth time, which was around 4 p.m. Friday. Why didn't you answer the first three times? I, I was watching TV and turned my ringer down. For you to be so concerned with your boy, you turned your phone down before he made it back home? Michelle couldn't be that good to ignore an important phone call. I made a mistake. I, I, I just wasn't thinking. I have a few reports here from neighbors saying you let Michael rip and run on his bike without supervision all day. Is this a correct statement? Hell no. I always step out to make sure he is staying close. Who who said that shit? Melinda said hurtful. Uh, that doesn't matter. What does matter is half your neighborhood, half your neighbors said it. You were too busy watching a show to answer a call. Can you honestly say you stepped out to see if he was safe? Yes. I always check on him. Just not yesterday, right? Yesterday just happened to be the day you lose focus. You lost so much focus that four hours few few, few passed. Wait, are you are, are you blaming me for my son's disappearance? Melinda said in disbelief. Did you really send Michael for eggs? Yes. Yes, I did at noon. I have a camera on my house you can check. Good. I need it today. Here, it is on my phone. You can rewind back. I can upload the last week to your email. Here's my card. My email is on the back. Send that footage now and keep the card for future references. I would never hurt my baby. I messed up and lost track of time. We would try to find him. Go home for now and do not leave town. Melinda sent the footage to his email and decided to go pick up Eliana and go home and rest. Detective Jeff Stewart. After Melinda left the office, Jeff uploaded the file and watched the whole week. He noticed a white male in a pickup truck sitting across the street. He was there every day for at least four hours. He was kind of slouched down and linked back. He was wearing a mask, so his face was unrecognizable. Detective Stewart finally got to Friday and saw Melinda send Michael off. He watched as the white pickup with no plates followed Michael. He called dispatch to put an APB out on the pickup. He had a feeling he was behind it. Lieutenant Dave tapped on the door before walking in. Hey, Detective, uh, we keep getting a call from this frantic woman about hearing screaming. Screaming from where? Detective Stewart said, looking up from his computer. She lives on Delton Street. She said uh, two houses down is an abandoned home. She said she heard screaming all night until early this morning. She just now called? No, actually, she called a few times last week uh, saying a suspicious, dirty white pickup was sitting in front. And uh, she said it started parking in back. She has been blowing up the lines all night. What? You're just now saying something? Send a patrol car over there to investigate. I'll be over as soon as possible. Before Detective Stewart can get out of his chair, dispatch said they found a white pickup fitting a description burnt to a crisp. It was located behind an abandoned house on Delton Avenue. The house burned a little, but the fire department was able to put it out. Detective Stewart ran out his office so he could get there as quickly as possible. Detective Stewart, Lieutenant Dave shouted before he ran out. What, Dave? I got to get over there quickly. They said... 
It is the badly disfigured body in the basement. It might be that little boy. Fuck! Was all the detective story could say as he got into his car. He knew they had dropped the ball in so many ways. Fuck! He screamed as he drove to the scene. When he pulled up to the scene, the fire department, EMTs, and four police cars were already there. Before he got out of his vehicle, an elderly black woman around 70 years old tapped on his window. Detective Stewart rolled down his window. Give me a second, ma'am. A second? You had minutes and hours. I've been calling about screaming and someone lurking around our neighborhood. You let that fall on deaf ears? God knows. If, if I was younger, I would have handled that shit myself. Miss Jones shouted angrily. Ma'am, step away from the detective's car. A young policewoman said, None of y'all are worth a damn. I hear a body in the basement, a child no less. What has our children done to you? He could have been saved, you bunch of bullshitters. Not worth a damn. Okay, ma'am, move back now. The young policewoman said, grabbing her arm, get your hands off me and solve something. Miss Jones snatched her arm and walked toward the crowd of bystanders standing on the sidewalk. You okay, sir? Uh, yeah, um, tell me what they found. Detective Stewart said, getting out of his car. The scene is pretty gruesome. Some of the firefighters that discovered the body burst into tears and a few threw up. I haven't gone down there yet. Down where? The body or what is left of the body is on a dirty mattress in the basement. Detective Stewart walked into the boarded up house. It smelled of mildew and death. The scent hit your nose the minute you opened the door. There were firemen and police officers crying as they came out the house. He heard one black police officer say, What kind of monster is this? I will not be able to sleep at night. I need to call my wife and kids. After hearing that, Detective Stewart's stomach dropped. He walked slowly through the house and descended the stairs in the kitchen. The smell was unbearable. The light was flickering on and off. He placed a cloth he had in his pocket over his nose. As he walked down the stairs, his heart dropped. He let out a scream. This isn't real. This, this can't be real. It was like a scene from a horror flick. Two forensic officers were already taking evidence. One member was crying as he took pictures. Detective Stewart, are you okay? Rebecca asked, Rebecca asked as she placed samples in a bag. Rebecca was the head of the forensic department. Can, uh, can you tell me what happened so far? Detective Stewart said, trying to look away. Yes, but hold on. James, take a break. You've been letting your emotions get in the way of your job. Go take a breather. Rebecca said to her rookie forensics officer, he is brand new, fresh out of college. It takes years to grow thick skin. Rebecca waited until James was gone before explaining what she knew so far. In all my 20-year career, I have never seen something so heinous. No one or nothing deserves to die this way. He had to have tortured this child for hours. As you can see, he plucked each dreadlock one by one. He pulled fingernails and toenails. He cut out chunks of skin and may have ate them in front of the child. He raped him repeatedly. I'm guessing with various objects. Our coroner can give us deeper details. He removed the genitals and the eyes. This basement was used for a torture chamber. We are dealing with a monster.
we we could have saved them if if we were acted quicker. We messed up. Detective Stewart said, trying not to throw up. That you did. Whomever it was, covered their tracks. Detective Stewart's phone rang as he was talking to Rebecca. Hello, this is Detective Stewart. What DVD? Did you open it? Calm down. I will be on my way, Melinda. Rebecca, I must go. That was Michael's mother. She said someone left a DVD in her mailbox. Go ahead. I got this. Thank you. Detective Stewart gladly left the basement. When he walked through the house, he noticed some police officers were looking at him cruelly. They blame me, I suppose. It is not my fault the law makes you wait 24 hours. Just keep your head up and walk to your car. When he got when he got out the front door, he saw the young woman cop sitting by her squad car. Can you follow me over to the mother's house? Yeah, sure, Detective Stewart. By the way, my name is Nicole. Officer Nicole Calloway. Nice to meet you formally, Nicole. Detective Stewart walked to his car, anxiously wanting to leave the scene. <laughs> You leaving already, you piece of slimy shit, Miss Jones yelled from the crowd. All this hell could have you avoid all this hell could have been avoided if you would listen to the citizens. That baby did not have to suffer like that. You and that monster gonna pay for that sin. Detective Stewart ignored Miss Jones as he drove away. Ooh, I'm enjoying this book. Again, this is Tales from the Unseen. By Latricia Ford is available on Kindle. I will be reading you some more because it's that good. But I have to go. That was my alarm. Um, I have a client in oh, a few moments. Um, this has been Queen. Please leave your comments. Please read this book and support. Because this book is good. It has to get out there. Thank you.